0: This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Stay tuned and visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org. I have this battle raging within me this morning. And some of you immediately are going, oh yes, Andy, Brother Andy, yes, the good and the evil, right? (laughs) Satan and God, it's battling. No, the battle is three cups of coffee battling one Benadryl. Why did I take a Benadryl, you asked? You're going to speak this morning. Why would you take a Benadryl? Because I had a sinus headache, and I had to do something. So should I lay down and take a nap? Just hang with me for a little bit. You can nap. Some of you nap already anyways, so it's not going to make a difference um, if you take a nap or not. Glad you're here this morning. I'm going to share a story which many of you know because I've shared it before, but it ties in perfectly with what I want to talk about this morning, and and that is this. um, When I was in college, my second year of college, I was a sophomore academically, but uh, socially I was a junior, and um, a few of you caught that, Um, (laughs) and and, uh, I went to Liberty University, which, you know, at Liberty, we only have good, clean fun, so on Friday nights, they would rent the skating rink, and... um, from like some kind of crazy hour, from midnight till 3 in the morning. It was just late night, and it's fun to watch people skate that late at night anyways. But I would go just about every Friday night, because I know you can't tell by looking at me, but I can roller skate. Not not that inline thing with the, that's for hockey players, not skateboard, that's for people way cooler than me, but with four wheels on each foot. And I can do that. And I can go backwards, I can do the moonwalk, I can do a 360 in the air, and you're going, no way, yeah, it's not quite as high as it used to be maybe this high, I mean, you... but I would go every uh, Friday night, and my second year of college there, um, I remember it was right at the beginning of the year, and I looked out in the middle of the skate rink floor, and there's just this, this girl, and, and um, I looked, and I was like, whoa, right? It, it was like time, you ever, you know, you watch the movies, and things go into slow-mo, all of a sudden, everything went slow-mo on me, and her hair. Her 80s hairdo was just right. 80s hair, it's wonderful. And 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 I was like, Oh, and in this slow motion moment, I heard Lionel Richie, right? And and Lionel Richie love songs started playing in my mind. Hello, is it me you're looking for? You know, tell me how to win your heart. I haven't got a clue. So and it was Misha, my wife, who I, I married. And, and at that moment, I turned to my friend and I told him, I said, I'm going to marry her, right? And immediately there was, when I saw her, there was this excitement. There were lots of girls at college at Liberty University. At the time, it was like one guy to three girls was the ratio. It was crazy how many young ladies went to Liberty. And, and I was just like, I knew this was it. And she didn't know that. She hadn't even met me yet. But after a lot of stalking, I mean... That's stalking. That's the wrong word. After a lot of pursuit, you know, there was this excitement when I saw her. And, and, and the fortunate thing for me was I knew her roommate. And, and so I got to meet Misha through her roommate. And it was exciting. You know, I was like, oh, this is exciting. This is the one I know, you know. And uh, this is why I came to college. I really don't care about education. <laughs> Truth. And so uh, I was just so excited. And, and soon that excitement, though, turned to passion. Right, Hell. you know, passion, and uh, in my heart, and it became passion. Now, for her, it took a long time to become passion. Matter of fact, it probably took her a long time to just be excited to be even in my presence. You know what I'm saying? And, um, but it was passion, and it was like, hey, what are you doing Friday night? Let's go out. And it went from that to, hey, what are you doing Friday night and Saturday night? What are you doing Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday Wednesday night, Thursday, Friday? What are you doing for the next month? You know, it was. I just couldn't, you know, not be around, I had to be around her, and at Liberty, um, they had a lot of strict rules, so I couldn't even, like, sit outside of her window and sing love songs to her, they wouldn't let me do that, but this passion drove me, and, and uh, I was on a passionate pursuit, and uh, I wasn't going to let anything stand in my way, I was going to, I said, I'm going to marry her, I'm going to marry her, finally, over time, my passion's growing stronger. Finally, over time, I wooed her with my charms—probably a little bit of my physique, you know—but this passion grew as I pursued her, and this passionate pursuit had a great payoff because we did get married, and uh, it worked for me. Right? I just—I pursued with a passion. Twenty-four years later, almost twenty-five. We'll be married twenty-five years this next summer. That's crazy. I'm an old man. I've realized, and I've got really little kids. That just plays a lot. It's almost like the struggle with the Benadryl and the coffee. I'm, but 25, almost 25 years, and so we've been married 24 years, and that passion, I can tell you, is much stronger than it was when I was a kid, right? You know, when I go to college campus now, when I get to visit Liberty and I look at the students there, I'm like, did I look like I was 13 in college? Really? Do they let 12-year-olds come here now? And that's, that's the way, and I was just a kid, but the passion has grown. Rick asked me to preach today. By the way, you're wondering where Rick's at. He's on vacation, and this is crazy. I would never do this just because of my fear. I have a phobia of that big body of water. Like, I'll go out and swim, but after you get like 30 feet deep, I'm like, no, thank you. I don't know why, but I just don't. Rick slept last night out in the Gulf Stream in a sailboat. That's crazy. I would never do that. Um, But Rick asked me, because he's going to be on vacation, asked me if I would speak this Sunday. And um, I'll just tell you, some of you have never done this before. It's, it's really easy when somebody says, "Will you speak, here's the chunk of verses, here's our topic, go with it. That's really easy. It's easier if he goes, here's the outline. Just do it, okay? That, that's easy. But when someone, and they say, you know, just whatever, you feel, you know, that's when it gets hard, because some of you have your Bibles on your lap. If you look at that, that's a, that's a whole lot to, you know, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? So, um, where do you start? Um, In situations like this, I start with something that God's either been working on in my own life or something that's on my heart. That's the only place I know to start. Um, Because I'm not real fast at reading, so I can't read through the whole Bible in one sitting and try to figure out where to go from there. So today, where we're heading um, is this, passion equals good dirt. Passion equals good dirt. Some of you are going, what in the world? This is my mind, I'm sorry. Um, in my years at Nags Head Church, I've been here um, this past October, I think it's 12 years now, and um, I've seen many people come to be part of our church and excited about what they see. And that's not a bad thing. You know, if you're a church and you want to reach people, you, you hope that your worship service is exciting because that draws people back and you want them there. You don't want it to be dull and boring. You want it to be attractive to people. And so we've seen a lot of people excited about um, Nags Head Church, and they come back and they hear God's word, and that's awesome. As one of the pastors, and a few of our partners get to do this occasionally too, um, I've been part of the interview process, even with some of you, when you became partners at Nags Head Church. And that's always interesting to me to hear, you know, how'd you find out about Nags Head Church? What, what did you like? What drew you to Nags Head Church? What kept, you know, why'd you keep coming back? And it's always interesting to hear Um, people's answers. Some are excited about the difference in the church. You know, I grew up in church my whole life. I didn't know church could be like this. Hear that often. And and that's a good thing. That's fantastic. So they're excited because it's just different than anything they're used to. Um, Some are excited because they find warmth and friendship here. And that's that's awesome. That's what needs to happen when people come into Nagsted Church. They need to fear that feel that. Um, I said fear. That's bad. They need to, they need to fear. No, they need to feel warmth and welcome here. Um, they find the friendship here. Some are excited because they have never heard the Bible taught before in church. And to me, that's mind-boggling because I've grown up since nine months before I was born. I've been in church. And I've only ever heard the Bible taught. And so it's amazing to me that there are churches out there that don't teach the Word of God. And that's amazing. And they come back. They're excited about, hey, the Bible is actually being taught here. And so they keep coming back. And that's amazing. It's awesome. Some are excited because they found a place to volunteer. They like to serve. They like to give of themselves. Um, Maybe the (laughs) Lions Club didn't cut it. I joined the Lions Club one time. We live in a little town in Lamont, Oklahoma. It's about 400 residents um, flat as a pancake, sparkling brown water came out of the tap. And that's where I lived. And, and I was invited to become part of the, the Lions Club, you know. And they help get glasses for kids and, and do a lot of stuff with vision and sight. And I thought, you know what, this would be a good thing for me to do. I don't have anything else to do on Tuesday nights in Lamont. So I'll become part of this. And, and I remember going to the first meeting. And, and I was like two early 20s, 22, 23, the next youngest guy was 60. You know, it was just... It was an ex- interesting matchup. And if you were late, this is what I love. They had a person called the Tail Twister. All right, if you've never been part of secret organizations. And he had a bag, and if you were late... And it, had a, it was funny, it had a lion's tail or something hanging on it. I remember that. You had to pay like 50 cents if you were late. Man, the revenue we would have at Nags Head Church if we just did that, you know. <laughs> what am I even talking about? The Lions Club. So... Some of you like to get involved in things and you want to get your hands on, get in, help, volunteer, and that's great. And so a lot of people come to Nags Head Church. And I me even say come to put their faith in Jesus Christ because they are excited. Like when I first saw Misha, that was excited. I was like, wow, this is it. Um, and so a lot of people are excited. But let me ask you this. What happens when the excitement fades, right? If I had married Misha simply because I was excited, what would have happened when the excitement fades? It would have been miserable, right? And so here's what's been on my heart. Um, some people are excited about their faith. They're excited about Jesus. They're excited about Nags Church. But the problem is this, and we all know this because we've all been excited about things in our life. What happens when the excitement fades? It's like Christmas morning. It's coming up soon. Some of us still have little kids in our house. Christmas morning is exciting. You know, we don't go overboard at our house. I think each kid has a few gifts and, and we don't go nutso. But there's an excitement. I mean, you remember when you were a kid going to bed on Christmas Eve? You know, just, ah, you lay in bed. I can't wait till the morning. There's going to be a pony in the living room. <laughs> you know, you remember thinking crazy thoughts like that. The excitement, and then the kids, they wake up, and they rip open the package, and there's the the gift, and next thing you know, you look, by mid-afternoon, they're playing with the box. They don't even care about the toy. They lost the excitement already. So what happens when excitement fades? Um, If somewhere along the line, that person's excitement doesn't become passion for Jesus Christ, passion for his church Not only does their excitement fade, but so do they. And they drift, and soon they're nowhere to be found. Moving that excitement to passion is intentional. It doesn't just happen. Just like with Misha, what I did was intentional. And I had a plan, a well-thought-out plan. And if I had a computer, I would have put a whole big schematic, but the computers weren't, you know, their internet. Al Gore hadn't invented it yet. So I didn't but I had this plan to be intentional about this pursuit and moving from excitement to passion. Something I've noticed um, in living in the Outer Banks, which I'd never experienced in my 47 years ago in the church, but I know there's probably other cultures like ours that have the same thing going on, is we have a large segment of our population of believers and professing Christ followers who hop from church to church. Um, some move every two years, some even less, and, and there's this culture of, church hopping well why is that because i rack my brain i see that and i'm like and when i was thinking about all of this i've been thinking about this stuff for a couple years now i thought the reason why they hop is it's excitement they come here it's exciting once they get used to that then the excitement's gone so what do they do i've got to go find somewhere else to be excited to get that excited feeling and so they'll bounce around And go from church to church until the excitement dies off. Um, So in the years I've been, I've seen a lot of people come and go. Some leave the church in a healthy way and for godly purposes. Others just fade and leave. Um, Many end up wandering either from church to church, and I know several who have dropped out altogether. Don't even go to church anymore at all. Because what they had was excitement. They didn't have passion we're a family here at nags head church and if you read through the writings of paul which most of us have done recently um you see he refers to us a lot as brothers and sisters the church is a family and we're a family at Nagshead church and because we're a family it hurts when someone leaves even when somebody leaves in a healthy way and for godly purposes and godly reasons um it hurts now contrary to popular belief i'm not a total idiot And um, I do have an upper, what do you call it, graduate degree. I couldn't even think of the word graduate. Yeah, you are an idiot. (laughs) You don't even know what you got. Um, But I don't assume that all of us in here come from healthy families, physical, earthly families. I I know better than that. Uh, My family was really good, Um, probably a a very healthy family by most standards, But a lot of us didn't come up that way in our physical family. So perhaps when we hear the word family, our view is skewed. It's messed up. It's not right because we're relating this family to our physical family where maybe things weren't great. And so we're referred to as brothers and sisters. And I know this. Family just doesn't walk away and just doesn't disappear and just doesn't turn its back on the rest of the family. You don't do that. Um, If it happens ever in my home, there'll be conversations happening. You just don't do that. And I remember when I was five, I ran away from home. How many of you ever did that? Like when you were really little, don't go like, yeah, when I was 17, I was gone 20 years. No, but like when you were five, right? Something happened. I don't even remember what happened at home. I lived in Alexandria, Virginia on Buckman Road. I don't know the address. Um, But I remember I was upset about something in the home and it might have been something to do with an older brother. You know what I'm saying? And so... I remember I packed a bag. I think I put mostly underwear because I was just thinking, you know what, the outer clothes I can just keep putting on and that's cool. Underwear, I need to change that. So I packed a bag and my parents were like, we'll see you later. Like the Andy Griffith episode, if you're a fan of Andy Griffith like me, he just, you know, okay, bye, we'll see you. So that's what, hey, we'll see you later. And out I walked into the big world, five years old. I had no real plan. So I spent the rest of the afternoon under this ginormous pine tree that went all the way to the ground that I had figured out you could crawl under, and inside it was like a cave, and I stayed in there for a while. Now, as a five-year-old, it seemed like I was in there for hours. I was probably in there five minutes. Uh, And I'm sure my parents were standing at the window smiling, you know. Um, But you just don't leave family. Um... You don't get, you know, I'm excited about my family. When it wears off, I go find a new family. It just doesn't work that way. Physically, it should not work that way spiritually as well. So it hurts when this type of junk happens in our natural families, but it also hurts in our spiritual families as well, doesn't it? There's a pain. And and when someone leaves the church and you feel pain, that's a good thing. And even if they're leaving for good reasons and you feel pain, that's a good thing because it shows that you've caught on to the fact that we're brothers and sisters. And some of you are sitting there going, oh, my goodness, I'm Andy's brother? I'm a sister oh no um but it's a good thing because we're family and sadly some walk away from their faith and start a period of wandering in their lives that lasts for a very long time maybe till the end of their life on earth so as I thought about um excitement versus passion I wondered what does God's word have to say about this what, and what quickly came to my mind as I thought about these things, been rolling through my head for a while, is the parable of the sower. So if you would open your Bibles in Matthew 13, please, that'd be great. And many of us read this just about a month and a half ago together because we've been reading through the New Testament. And so we've read this parable just recently, so it should be fresh on our mind. Jesus, he's the master teacher, and he used parables. He would grab a hold of common, everyday things, and teach a spiritual point about that. When I was in the fourth grade, my children's pastor taught me this little nugget of knowledge which has stuck with me um, for all these years, and that is a a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And uh, so Jesus is telling this earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So I want to read you some verses. We're going to read verses 1 through 9 first, and then we'll finish up with uh, Jesus' explanation in verses 18 through 23. Verse 13 says, Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Stop right there. You ever wonder, if he told many stories, what were the other ones? When I see that, that's one of my questions. We all have questions when we get to heaven we're going to ask. I'd like to know all the stories Jesus told, not just the ones we get to read. Next says, Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds, and as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Verse five, other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock, and the seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil. And they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen. Jump to verse 18. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 100 times as much as had been planted. So we got these different soils. Soil one is the hard footpath. Some seed fell on it. It's quickly snatched up. And this soil represents the person who hears the gospel, but they don't believe. They hear it, but it doesn't click. They hear it, they don't get it. And perhaps you've shared the good news of Jesus with someone, and in your life, and you shared your faith, and you shared how God has worked in your life, and, and the person's response is after you share all of this is, you know, they say something like in Genesis it says angels were marrying human women, and what what is that all about? And which isn't in there, but they're they're listening to something they saw on the Discovery Channel, right? And uh, they they go off on some other track because they're not tuned into what you're really telling them. They're not looking at the big picture. What is this all about? They're picking out things that maybe don't make sense. And, and we all know, if we're reading the Bible, there's a lot in there that doesn't make sense, right? The book of Revelation. <laughs> in our connection group on Thursday, real men eat lunch and we have a forklift. Um, we're sitting in our, in our little circle of chairs in the warehouse and we're talking about, and you know, if you've been doing this in a connection group, is there any, did you have any, is there a question? Anything cause question? We're all like, Yeah, the answer to that would be the book of Revelation, you know. And so there's a lot of stuff we don't fully grasp. We don't fully understand. And and we can't let that get a sidetrack from the purpose and the point of God's word. And so you share your faith with somebody, and um, they just don't get it. Maybe it's even offensive to them. Um, They totally miss out on the fact that you just told them that God loves them very much and loved them enough to send Jesus to die on the cross for them, and God did that for me and it's changed my life and here's the way my life has changed and they just don't get it they don't it doesn't click that's hard soil then you have soil number 2 no depth they believe but there is never any depth and as soon as they believe they wither their faith is always a surface level Um, their connection to the church is always surface level they never work on going deeper after hurricane isabel i remember driving back to my neighborhood and there was this tree that had fallen and this tree was probably 30 feet or taller it was huge and it was big around but it had fallen in someone's yard and um you know a tree that i would have i you know would have said that's a strong tree that's an incredible tree, right? It's taller than the houses. It's a big tree. It's been there for a long time. That is a strong tree. But it had fallen in such a way you could see the root ball on the bottom. And it was only a couple feet down. It was, you know, the roots only went about this deep, and they didn't go out very far from the tree. And so that's what happened with that tree is this storm hit, and because there was no depth, that tree fell in someone's yard, and I'm sure it required a lot of chainsaw work. And so there was no depth with this tree. On the other hand, as a teenage boy, I survived Hurricane Eva on Maui. And it's, you know, interesting here, I've only evacuated once, and that was just because little kids. I didn't want them scared. Um, but on an island, you don't evacuate. It's just impossible, right? So you just hunker down. And, and that was my first hurricane experience ever. And, um, and I was at school mid-afternoon, um, right after lunch, and the principal came to all the rooms um, and said, look, you know, if you live on this, this side of the island, you need to go ahead and leave and, and drive home, get home. Your parents have been notified we need to go home. And you could see, it was blue sky and sunny, but out over the ocean you could just see this black darkness coming. And, and I, it was my first hurricane experience, and I was scared to death. And uh, so went home, survived it, right? We didn't have power and all the good stuff that goes along with hurricanes like that. What's interesting, our whole town was out of power, but the sugarcane mill, they were cranking. They were making sugar all night long. I don't know how they did that, but apparently sugar's important to people, so they stayed up and kept doing this. Um, but, you know, there's a storm, and everything was kind of blown around, and you know how it looks after a hurricane. But there's this tree, the king palm. The, the palm tree is huge. Some grow as tall as 50 feet or more. And you did, I never saw any of those laying down. They were always standing. Now, the The branches and stuff on the top blown off, ripped up, shredded. But the tree was still there. And the reason why, and I I Googled this so I know everything because of Google, right? Is the, the root goes down really deep. It's got a deep root. It's also very bendy, but the root goes down really deep. Matter of fact, um, I have friends in the Philippines. I went there on that mission trip several years ago, and so i got a couple pastor friends, so I've been following them and, and keeping in touch with them on Facebook. And I've been looking at all the pictures, and when you look at the pictures of the devastation, and I just did this yesterday at some new pictures, which was fresh in my mind because I, I had written this down this last week, is that the, when you look around at the trees, there are c- certain trees still standing, the palm trees. And, and so there's depth to it. So it goes, it goes down deep. And so there are many who believe, but they wither because there's just no depth to their faith. Soil number three is choked out by the weeds. This verse says that the worries of life are the weeds that choke them out. And I think we could easily um, say today that the worries of life could very well be busyness because we're all super busy. Um, When I think about what worries my life is just the busyness sometimes. And I've seen believers who are super excited about their relationship with Jesus Christ And his involvement in his church, and I've seen that go to a fizzle, that excitement, and it's because they allowed their life to become so busy that their priorities got way out of whack. And in the verse it says, they were lured away by wealth. And I think it's too easy for a Christian um, who's excited to be lured away by something else, lured away by things that in and of themselves, maybe they're not bad, right? I mean, my family, in and of itself, my family's not a bad thing, but if I allow my family to become priority over God, then all of a sudden things are out of whack. And then there's soil number four that's the good dirt. There is nothing like good dirt. And uh, I spent some years working on a farm in Oklahoma, and I watched as the soil would be turned, and we would plow, we would disc, and we would get the dry big track. My wife can drive one of those ginormous John Deere tractors. I saw her, and I was like, oh, I love her even more now. You know what I'm saying? And so we spent a lot of time doing stuff on the farm and would watch all the things that were done, fertilizer, letting fields rest, all this. Why? Because the farmer I worked with wanted his soil to produce a crop. He wanted his plots of land to produce a good crop. And because he was a smart farmer and did things the smart way, he had some of the best farmland in the area, and he produced some of the best wheat, which you've probably eaten some of your sandwich bread. And he would, had a great crops produced. How many of you like to garden, whether it's veggies or fruit? Raise your hand. Don't be ashamed if you like to garden. Awesome. Um, I, a few years ago, I decided I would grow some vegetables because our family grew, and I was like, man, I can't keep buying vegetables, which I didn't have to do all this because the kids, they don't want to eat the vegetables I grow anyways, but... Um, so, I planted these raised beds. I built these raised beds and um, I went and bought bags of soil to put in because there's something we all know from living here about the Outer Bank soil. If I was to run out in the church's front yard and just run out happy because I'm a soil freak and, and I would just shove my hands into the ground, I would discover two things A, they would come up bleeding and in pain because they're covered with sand spurs, right? B, it's sand. And so I bought the bags of dirt, and I remember cutting them and, and pouring the dirt in, and then just feeling that new, you know, it's not new dirt, how can you make new dirt, but that really good dirt, wherever it comes from, and just letting it go through my fingers, such a good feeling, good dirt, I love it. And so it was as Barney, again, Andy Griffith, Barney would say it's therapeutic, um, getting out there and getting your hands in there. Um, so it took good, takes good soil to grow a plant. This year, I don't even know if I've confessed this to my wife yet. This year, I planted some veggies, and and when I was doing it, um, one of my kids was standing by me, and the whole time I'm planting, it's dad, 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 hey dad, dad, you know, five thousand questions, dad, dad, I got ADD, I'm trying to plant a plant, <laughs> right, dad, 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 and then I can't remember what it was. Um, I think it, was to, it might have been my tomatoes. We didn't have any tomatoes this year. I couldn't figure it out. Well, when the tomato plant died, I figured it out. I pulled it up out of the ground to chunk it. There on the bottom was that nice little peat, you know, little container you're supposed to pull the bottom out and all that. It still had the bottom in. It still had the plastic wrapper on it. All right? Talk about no depth. It never went anywhere. It grew tall, but I never had any fruit. And it wasn't in that good soil. It was just in that little container using up all the nutrients. Once that was gone, that thing was done. So good dirt is important when you start the farm and you want to produce fruit. So plain and simple, it takes good work. It takes work to have good soil. It takes some effort. So which will last longer? Just a question for you to think about. Will excitement or passion last longer? There are some indicators that I... Um, In my life, maybe I had simply just had excitement, or that my passion is starting to fade. And I want to talk to you about these. And um, I've been a pastor's son since I was five, and I've seen a lot of this happen in church throughout all the years. And so I want to give you some of these indicators that somebody's excitement is fading, or that their passion is going away. And here's some indicators number one is I quit giving, I quit giving. Now, I don't see the numbers. I don't know who gives what or any of that. So I don't know. I know Misha and I, we give, we tithe in a little bit above that. And we do that because God's told us to do it, and we want to be obedient to God's word, and so that's what we do. But I know that when someone's fading, um, giving is one of the first things to go. Why? And Jesus told us, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Um, The heart has much to do with passion. If you go back to relationships with people on earth, when we're passionate about somebody, it you know we like, oh, my heart is just beating crazy because I love her. You know, the heart is where the passion's at. And so where your heart is is where your treasure is. When Christ and his church are no longer a passion of mine, they no longer something that I treasure, therefore I stop giving, and my money goes with my passion. Second indicator is I stop serving. I serve because I'm passionate about using the gift God has given me. I serve because I'm passionate about seeing the church be all that she can be for God's glory. So when my passion is gone, I stop serving. And it usually doesn't happen at once. I start missing maybe serving here, missing there, and soon no longer around. Why? Because um, my passion's gone away. And, And sometimes you ask people, you know, like maybe on your ministry team, where have you been? What's been going on? Oh, I've been busy. And uh, that's always the excuse. I'm busy right now. I'm at a busy point place in my life. Well, you go back to soil number three where things are being choked out by the worries of, of life. And I'm always puzzled by that excuse because I, I too am busy right now. Who, who in this room is not busy, right? If you are not busy, please show up here tomorrow morning about 9.30 and I'll give you some things to do. You know, we're all busy. So that excuse goes out the window, who isn't busy? Some of the best ministers in this church are some of the busiest people I know. And by ministers, I don't mean pastors. I mean we're all ministers. The third thing is my participation in worship fades. I may not drop out all at once, but I'll start to miss here and there. And soon my involvement in worship, whether it's personal worship alone with God, just me and God on my quiet time, or corporate worship becomes spotty at best. And it's, shame. it's a shame when you feel like you have to invite a church partner to church just doesn't make sense. Another thing is my priorities change. A little over a year ago, Rick did, I think it was about a year. Um, it all runs together now. Rick did a series about priorities. Remember the plates spinning and the plates were up on the, the wall there? And, and we talked about priorities, a whole series about it. When God and the things of God aren't number one top priority, my passion is dying. Or what I had was merely excitement and the excitement's gone. So if those are some of the indicators, what do I do to keep the passion burning and growing? What do I do to move from excitement to passion? And I said it takes some effort. Now, we don't work to earn our faith. Faith is simply believing. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. That moment, I'm saved. But after that comes the work. Because you have to work on building your faith. It doesn't happen automatically. Just like the farmer works on his soil to get good dirt, it takes work to make your life fruitful it takes some effort so some things quickly and some of you going you know what Andy this is basic plain simple stuff I'm a basic plain simple guy and sometimes I need reminders about the basic plain simple stuff because I'll let those go and uh, sometimes we want to hear some great you know theologians speak you know something we have never seen or heard before which is good we need to learn more but sometimes we need a, a kick in the seat of the pants right to remind us what we need to be doing. So here are some things. First of all, make my personal time with God a priority. Luke 5, 16 says, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Jesus would go off. If Jesus, the Son of God, would go off alone to pray and spend time with God the Father, how important is it that we should be doing that? Jesus recognized the connection between um, relationship, and communication, right? If there's no communication at home, the relationships aren't good. Same with our relationship with God. There has to be communication. Many of us have experienced depth in our relationship with God over the past eight weeks as we've read the entire New Testament. Some of us, it's the first time we've ever read the New Testament, or even read more than a few verses. And so because of that process in our connection groups doing this, some have started to gain depth. They're starting to grow deeper in their relationship because of their personal quiet time, spending time in the Word. And for some, I'm sure that's the first step, and their passion as a result is going to grow. It's going to become a burning fire. Number two, realize that problems happen in life. Talked about the troubles and the trials coming. Soil number two, you know, it said, you know, problems come and the plant withers. And I've known people who have thrown in the towel because they hit a problem in life and they give up. Well, if God's not going to take care of my problem, then I'm, I'm out. God does not promise anywhere that your life is going to be worry or trouble-free after you put your faith in Jesus. Matter of fact, if you read in the New Testament, you'll see several places that because I have faith in Jesus, life's going to be more difficult because the world out here doesn't get it. And they're not going to make it easy on us. So people are excited, but they hit that, time when something goes wrong more puzzling are the people who run to jesus every time there's a crisis and then once that crisis is over they disappear again until another crisis and then they're back again i call them life jacket christians they use jesus as their life jacket save me help me out of this and once things smooth over they're back back um fading away again let me read these verses from first um, peter verse six and seven so be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. He's not saying be glad because you have trials. But be glad because there's something great ahead of you. Verse 7, These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials it will bring you much praise and glory and honor the day when Christ Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Third thing, Be faithful in attendance to worship. It's simple. We are here to encourage each other. If you reach into the blazing fire with a pair of tongs and you grab that coal and you set it out on the hearth or if you're doing your fire pit in the backyard, you set it out on the ground away from the rest of the fire, what happens with that glowing ember? It dies. It fades, doesn't it? The church, this is the fireplace. We're in here and we're encouraging each other that's what happens when we remove ourselves from the church is we fade out. Verse, verse uh, Hebrews 10, 25 says, Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Fourth thing is get connected in a small group. Proverbs 27:17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Fellowship with other believers is like crazy glue right? It's what holds things, helps hold things together. That's why it's important to be on a ministry team and in a connection group because it's in those places where you form those relationships that will help hold you together, help encourage you in your faith. God did not intend any of us to live out our faith walk apart from the church, the local church. That's not his intention. You can't find that. We're meant to be living out this life together. Number five is give. First Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. On our birthday and at Christmas, we're giving gifts for us to enjoy. We rip into the wrapping paper. Unless we're that person that likes to, don't they drive you crazy? <laughs> I'm going to neatly take it off. And you're sitting there, going, I want to see what you got. I want to see what you got in there. I'm going to fold it up. I'm going to fold it up in case the depression hits. I might need this. All right? Well, when we have birthday or Christmas, we rip in, we get that gift. That gift's for us, and we want to use it. We want to use that gift. Um, yesterday, or day before, like I said, it all runs together. I got to go in my little cabinet of power tools and pull out my Sawzall. I know some of you are going, uh-oh, we heard about the shed, Andy. Put it down! You know, but that was a gift. I love using that gift. Um, God's given us each a gift as a believer, not to be used for our own pleasure like when we get Christmas or birthday gifts. He's given us these gifts to strengthen the church, to use to minister to each other. So give. The sixth thing is give of your finances. Nothing says, God, I trust you with my life like trusting Him with your finances. God, here's my life, but I'm gonna hold on to my wallet. Just doesn't make sense. Trust is proven when you trust God with your finances. And if you want to go deep with your faith, you have to trust God in every aspect of your life. You give to what you're passionate about. Some of you have given recently as you've seen things about the typhoon and the destruction in the Philippines and, and you've been led to give and so you've given through one organization or another. You give because you're passionate. Jesus said, Matthew 6:21, where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Seventh is this, allow God to work in your life. The Holy Spirit has been given to each of us as Christ followers. He's been given to us to teach us, guide us, and work in and through us and through our lives. We need to allow him to do so. His work in our lives is evident. People can see it around us. Galatians five twenty two and 23 says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. When uh, my patience is wearing thin, that's an indicator to Andy, hey, Andy, you're not walking in the spirit, right? It's evident when you're allowing God to work through your life. Now, I know everything I shared this morning was very basic, but every now and then we need that reminder. And we probably also know believers who right now their excitement's fading, and they need to be encouraged to have passion. We also know believers who are passionate, but that passion is starting to wane and fade away because they're not investing in making good dirt in their lives. So I don't know what step you need to take next today, what you need to do in your life to make sure that passion is burning strong. You're fanning that flame, making it glow and burn like a blazing fire. I don't know what you need to do, but figure it out and work on that. Last thing is not on the notes, just thought of this this morning, and that is this, Nags Head Church partners. We are responsible for each other. We're accountable to each other. I'm accountable to you, you're accountable to me, and some of us don't like that word accountability. But I'm responsible. If I see someone in my connection groups fading away, it's my responsibility, not because I'm one of the pastors, but because I'm part of that connection group. It's my responsibility to go to that person and say, hey, what's going on? Haven't seen you at church in a long time. You've been missing connection group. What's going on in your life right now? Not that I'm trying to pry. I want to help you. I, I don't know about you, but if I'm fading away, I want somebody to reach out to me. And It may not be fun at first, but I want somebody to love me enough to say, hey, what's going on in your life? If somebody on my ministry team sees me fading away, I want them to reach out to me. We are accountable to each other. Sometimes we see people fade away, and to be honest, for me, sometimes it takes three or four months before I notice somebody's not here, because what we automatically do at Next Head Church Oh, I didn't see them in the nine o'clock service, so they must be going to the eleven. The fact of the matter is, they're not going to nine or eleven. Do we care enough to even check on them? We are responsible for each other. So maybe that's your next step. Maybe you immediately you're thinking of somebody in your church family that you need to go to and say, "Hey, what's going on in your life? How can I help you?" You know, I've noticed this, and just share with them out of love, not pointing a finger and judging, because you love them. And you want to reach out to them because they're your brother or they're, they're your sister. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word and I thank you that um, it's full of things for our life, God, to help us live out our life of faith for you. And God, I'm sure that all of us in this room have an area in our faith walk where we can be working on and improving um, and growing deeper with you. And God, I pray that you help us recognize what that area is and that we'll focus on that this week to try to produce that good dirt in our life where we can grow in our faith and grow deeper. God, I pray for anyone in here who does not know uh, you as Savior that today, God, they would be the day they put their faith in Jesus. And then they can start that walk. For those who are merely excited, may they get that passion. For those of us who are or have passion, may we work on making that passion blaze like a roaring fire. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. This has been a presentation of Nag's Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org.